Hey, welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored you're here. The word Kalos means beautiful in, well, poorly pronounced Greek. But we're all about making known the beauty of Jesus. So why don't we dive in to last week's sermon right now. <laughs> well, let's jump into our first message in Luke chapter 2. The original Christmas. In those days, the... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, Jesus Christ. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there is no guest room available to them. And so we're launching this international Christmas service, and we're acknowledging that in the original Christmas story, there is a tale of fear, of a pregnancy, of traveling while pregnant, finding refuge in new cities and countries. And a lot of times when we think of Christmas, we think of all the warm fuzzies, a nice Christmas fire in your fireplace or on your Netflix. We think about the carols. We think about all the treats and cookies and parades and stockings. It can be quite cozy, but the original story really dealt with a lot of fear and panic and insecurity and travel and how are we going to live? How are we going to survive? And it's a story really that I'm going to explain is a story of immigration and refuge. And so today the title of my message is, What Should We Do With Immigrants? And today is not uh, me ascribing to a certain political platform. I, I'm not, you know, pledging allegiance to being a Republican or a Democrat. I pledge my allegiance to Jesus. And I think that we should just point people to Jesus. And, but I do believe that us as pastors and the scripture and us as the church, we do speak truth to power. And we share the gospel and we share the scriptures. And I just want to say, though... This might feel a little political, but all I'm doing with the scripture is reading them and letting the scripture carry the weight of the message. And our goal as Kalos Church is to make known the beauty of Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Amen. And so let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that today we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You know, Bellevue is changing. When I tell people that, I live in Bellevue or that I was moving to Bellevue, people are like, what? You're a brown man. Why are you moving to Bellevue? That's where all the white people are. That's like your, your old school suburbs. And they have this picture of Bellevue from like 50, 40, even 30 years ago. But Bellevue has changed quite a bit. Did you know that Bellevue is more diverse than Seattle? Actually, Seattle, the proper downtown Seattle area is actually getting less diverse as Bellevue is getting more diverse. Bellevue is now a majority minority city. Forbes magazine called this is the number one place for minorities to start businesses. Over 40% of our population in Bellevue was born in another nation. And just for context, how many people here were born in another nation outside of Bellevue? Hands up all over the place. And so Bellevue is not the same Bellevue as decades ago. It is quite the diverse place. And I was looking at this the Bellevue City Council vision acknowledges this, and the vision for the council is this. Bellevue welcomes the world. Our diversity is our strength. 
We embrace the future while respecting our past. I like that. We embrace the world. There are people moving here from different states, from different nations, all over the world. The Lord has brought the nations to Bellevue, amen? And it's hard to be a foreigner. It's hard to travel. It's hard to get a fresh start and learn different customs and cultures and languages and strategies and breaking into social circles, not knowing how to start. And I remember in about 2010, Pastor Amritha and I, we moved to Korea and we were both professors at the University of Colorado. We partnered with the university there teaching English. And it was tough. Things you take for granted, like going to groceries and getting products for your house. It's hard. You have to, like, make an all-day event out of getting something like cilantro. We actually did that. We got on my motorbike, and we traveled all around Daegu and Korea just looking for cilantro. Because apparently the people in Korea we encounter don't like cilantro because it tastes like soap. Any Koreans here not like cilantro. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And so, uh, I mean, it was just so difficult and just like, how do we turn on the shower? How do we use this toilet? How do we use the hospital? How do we buy these groceries? How do we use this elevator? It was like there were no habits. There were no routines. We were constantly thinking. We didn't know how to make friends. We didn't speak the language. It was just so difficult. And I think a lot of people in our city are feeling that way right now. Uh, I mean, there's so many times even getting something simple like a dessert was difficult. We would find what we thought was a delicious pastry, and it would be filled with beans. I'm like, Korea, why? Why would you? Why, Alice? Why, Alice? Who eats beans for dessert? So we, oh, come on. And so we would try to find another dessert. Be like, oh, this one's not going to be beans. It looks like a fish. Bean paste again, Korea! You've done it again. In fact, in my man's small group, there's a Korean man named Jay Hansen. He MCs with us sometimes here. And he's like, Fredipin, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and one of these days, I'm going to give you a dessert, and guess what's going to be in it? Beans. And I'm like, oh, that's not right. That's not right. But just all those like little adjustments and figuring things out took a lot of energy. And during the holiday season, our, our coworkers and bosses who are Korean, they wanted to make us feel a little more at home during the holiday season because holidays can, quite frankly, be difficult for a lot of us, especially when you don't feel like you have a community, know what you're doing, how to fit in, where to belong. And so they wanted to throw us a traditional American Thanksgiving meal in Korea. And this was not traditional at all, but they did their best. They rented out a gymnasium, and they set up tables and chairs with black linen. They got fancy lights and pyrotechnology so fire could burst out. And we had, like, catered food. And, and they had us, like, really dress up in, like, suit and ties. And, and, in fact, they asked us as Americans to learn and perform a dance to a Korean song. And this was so weird. This was not a, this was not like any American Thanksgiving I've been a part of. And we now call it, like thinking back on this memory, we call it Thanksgiving prom. Because it felt more like prom than Thanksgiving. And I want to show you a video of Pastor Amritha and me dancing. We're the brown people wearing red clothes. You might not recognize me without a beard and with dreadlocks. But you will recognize Pastor Amitha. Let's play this video. Nobody, nobody 
See the balloons that say Happy Thanksgiving? Just like home, isn't it? <laughs> Thanksgiving prompt. And so actually in preparation for this really weird Thanksgiving, actually, um, how many of you guys want to see Pastor Amitha perform this dance? Come on! <laughs> she, she's like, no, I don't. I, she's like covering herself under her jacket. <laughs> if you remembered it, would you do it? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, this was so crazy. We got balloons. We've got, like, lights. We have fire and smoke. And even though it was nothing like our traditional American Thanksgiving, I am forever grateful that these Koreans welcomed us into their hearts and home. They used their time, their talent, their treasure to make us feel like we fit in to make us feel a little less lonely. And that, that means everything when you're in a foreign place. That means everything. And I just think we as a church have a responsibility to do the same in this time where the Lord is bringing us the nations. And that, that's why we're doing this International Christmas series and why we're having an International Christmas service next week. You know, people are coming all from all over. And so we're going to share the Christmas story in five different languages. I'm so excited about that. We're going to share Christmas carols in various languages. We're going to show videos of, you know, just different aspects of God being a global God and singing these Christmas songs. And I know it's not going to make people feel perfectly at home, but I hope that it will make people feel like they're a little less alone and that we welcome them into our lives and our hearts like the Koreans did for us. Amen. And so we're doing that next week. And it's exciting. Word is spreading. Our advertisement video has like 34,000 views on it already. Over 100 kids have registered to come to our kids' service. I mean, people are going to be taking pictures with Santa. It's, I mean, we have over 300 people registered already, to extra people to come to that service next week. And so I just believe God is bringing us the nations, and we want to love them well. We want to love all of God's people. Amen. And so this title is kind of intimidating. What should we do with immigrants? And as we uh, approach this event next week, I just want to make sure we have a biblical context on immigration. What is our responsibility as followers of Jesus? And like I said, this is a biblical sermon. This is not me rallying for you know, a certain political trench or side. And so as we consider this, the first thing I want us to consider is, number one, Jesus was an immigrant. In the story of Christmas, we see one of travel, of fear, of survival. We see that Jesus is an immigrant. Let's read, read these scriptures with that context in mind. In Luke, it says, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, the child being Jesus. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. And so we see there's a census being taken. David has to go in, or they have to go to the city of David, Bethlehem, and, and really register their family. And so there's all these people going to their places of origin. People are traveling all over. Can you imagine convincing your pregnant wife to travel? 
I mean, it's stressful enough to go to the hospital that you have planned for to give birth, let alone to another city. And then they go to this guest room, the scripture says. And many of us have heard this story, the Christmas story. And I don't want to burst your Christmas bubble. But we, we hear that, that, that they were looking for a place to stay. They were panicked. And they were trying to find an inn or a hotel. And there was no place for them. So they had to go to a random barn. Well, the, the word here actually for guest room or inn isn't like the hotel we see in the story of the Good Samaritan or a hotel like uh, the Hilton Garden Inn that we're in here. It's actually the word kataluma, which is more of like a guest room or in in this historical context could have been like a, a family cave or really the family room. So it was more like they weren't panicked and looking for a hotel. It was like they were going to their hometown right? They were from the city. That's why they had to register there. And they had to stay with some distant relatives like Uncle Larry. And Uncle Larry had so many people from out of town, he didn't have a guest room anymore. So they said, hey, why don't you guys stay in our family room? In fact, mangers were often engraved in the wall in stone. And they, they would, you know, be filled with haze. They would bring their animals in the house so people wouldn't steal them. So it was more like, hey, let's have a home birth in the family room, y'all. I love my cousins. <laughs> Can we give a good amen for home births? Anybody feel the spirit, God calling you to home birth in here? No, nobody? <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that's intense. But I mean, that... that <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was intense. But that, that's the context of this first Christmas story. A pregnant woman traveling, giving birth in Cousin Larry's family room. That is intense. And so this insecurity, this travel, this fear, it gets even more intense. In Matthew 2, the scripture goes on and says, The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night... And left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so is fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. How old were you when you found out that Jesus spent his childhood in Africa? This many days old? Right? How many of you guys have never heard that Jesus spent part of his childhood in Africa? Anybody? Yeah, that's a pretty wild thing. We see in the infancy of the Christmas narrative of the birth of Jesus, of the child of Jesus, he had to flee in the middle of the night to another country to avoid oppression and death from the government they were living in. That is the story of Christmas, an immigrant family fleeing for their lives. Can you imagine just giving birth and immediately the government's trying to kill your family? That's the context of Christmas. So Jesus is in Egypt, not because they want to, just because they want to live. And then in Matthew 2, 19, after Herod died, so this is the leader that's trying to kill them and their family, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, 
and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take this child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town of Nazareth. So Mary gives birth in the strange city of Bethlehem. Then in the middle of night, her husband gets a dream, says, go to Egypt, a random another country. They thankfully are received well with the hospitality of Egyptians. They're able to raise Jesus there for a bit. Another dream, they go and they're like, hey, we're going to live in the region of Judea. But then Joseph is warned, Joseph being the stepfather of Jesus is warned, hey, don't go to Judea. That's where the son of Herod is living. And so he's going to kill you. So, hey, go raise your child in Nazareth. And so that's why Jesus was raised in Nazareth. This was like the third city right in the infancy of the Christmas story. Isn't that wild? Can you imagine raising and starting your family in that context? It is so scary. And that is the story of Christmas. Actually, uh, Sarah posted something about this Christian artist named Propaganda who I really like. And uh, he, he says it like this about the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is the time of year that we remember a brown-skinned, culturally shamed, poor immigrant family travels to a different land to avoid physical farm, harm, physical harm in a world where the powers that be attempted to white uh, wipe out his generation, grows up to be assassinated by a crooked justice system. And when you look at it like that, it is intense. It's a story of immigration, refuge, safety, and the insecurity of raising a family while a government is trying to harm you. And I, I just believe that there are a lot of people who have moved to Bellevue for a new chance at life, whether it's financial or safety or one of these reasons. God has brought immigrants to our land, amen, 40% of our people have been born in different nations. And, and there's something that we need to understand, that we as the church, as followers of Jesus, have a responsibility. Even Cousin Larry, he didn't have more room, but he said, I'm going to use what I have to bless this pregnant family that I have not seen in a very long time. He opened up his family room. They opened up their manger, and Jesus came to life. And I believe even today, when we open up our mangers to strangers, Jesus comes to life. Amen? When we open up our lives, when we use what we have, people can get a good, fresh start at life and experience the beauty of Jesus. And so point number two, to develop this, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand this. Immigrants matter to God. Immigrants matters to God. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we see the word for immigrant over 92 times. It's throughout the Old Testament. It's throughout the New Testament. Immigration is very scripturally heavy in the scriptures. For example, and I want you to focus on the word Egypt because we know that Jesus came out of Egypt. He was an immigrant in Jesus and he received the hospitality of Egypt. And I believe that as immigrants are moving to Bellevue, we are their Egypt. And I'm so thankful that Egypt showed hospitality to Jesus. And we are called to do the same. And it's with the same context throughout the Old and New Testament that the scriptures remind us that we were once foreigners. We were once from a different land, whether in eternity, whether as strangers of God or strangers of a new land. That Leviticus 19 says it like this. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. 
The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord of your God. I'm the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy 10, it says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Exodus 23, Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you are foreigners in, say it with me, Egypt. And so Israel was in Egypt, and they made it out into their promised land. Jesus was in Egypt, and after receiving the hospitality of Egyptians, made it out and was raised in Nazareth. And I believe today that people are coming into Bellevue, and we are their Egypt. Not all of them wanted to be here. I just talked with the lady after first service. She said, I, I was an attorney, attorney in Kenya. I had my own practice, but I had to come to America because of my family's issues. I didn't want to be here. My life was great, but I came. This is my Egypt. And so I just love how the scripture says, hey, you once lived in Egypt. Don't forget what it's like to be without community, friends, to be in another country. Don't forget what it's like to be a stranger. You know, the other day in my house, uh, Pastor Amritha and I, we had dinner with Diana and Sam, and they are amazing people, part of our dream team volunteer team at Kalos Church, and she made us a beautiful Peruvian meal. God bless Peru. Delicious food. And so we're, we're eating, and then someone knocks on her door, and it's this man named Christian. He's about 30, 35 years old. He uh, speaks English as a second language, primarily speaks Spanish, and his mom at the door, knocks on the door, we open, he says, hey, my, my mom would like to talk to you, but she doesn't really speak English, so I'm going to translate, and, and she basically says, hey, can my, my son hang out with you guys? <laughs> he doesn't have friends, uh, he sees that you've been having this man night group gathering on Wednesday nights, and he doesn't know how to approach it, he's a little intimidated by it, uh, and I would be too, because we're eating a lot of spicy food and hitting each other's... <laughs> Hitting each other with machetes, I mean, I, throwing axes, you know. I think Jerry just brought a bag of chili powder and we ate it. I mean, but he, he didn't know how to approach, and so uh, he's, like, feeling a little sheepish. Hey, can I, can I play? You know, and, and we're like, and then Diana notices that they're, they're kind of struggling to communicate in English. She grew up in Peru, and she's like, hola! <laughs> Amigos, y amigas. <laughs> so she's like so excited to spot, speak in Spanish with them and invites them to come over to the, to the small group. And she's like, oh, this is such a blessing. I'm so thankful. I can make people feel more at home here. And I was like, oh, me too. Augustus mio, Diana. Like, this, <laughs> hey, this is great. And, and so, so actually Christian came to our, our small group the next Wednesday and we played a game where we were killing each other. It was awesome man night. <laughs> But he just loved it. Even the next week, I, I invited him to join me for a, a men's breakfast at like 6 a.m. And so I said, just meet me in my yard. And his wife was a little skeptical, like, wait, these group of guys want to hang out with you at 6 a.m.? Like, is this weird? Are you lying to me? Do you have a second life? So she actually came, you know, out at 6 a.m. with him to meet me to see if it was legit. And, you know, I don't know if seeing my face made her feel more comfortable. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't. But I was like, no, we Dios te bendiga, Lord, Lord es fuerte, invincible. 
you know, the Lord is great. You know, I'm like just trying to communicate. And I was just like, hey, yo habla el mejor español del mundo. See? Anybody speak Spanish here? Nice. I just said I speak the best Spanish in the world. <laughs> Anyways, he, he, he just loved it, and he fit in, and he was so grateful we invited him in. And I just think, like, he didn't know how to break in, and there are people all around us who don't know how to become friends with us. I mean, a, a lot of our generation, we don't know how to make friends in general, you know? We don't, we don't know how to break into social circles. Many of us moved here from different states, and we're like, how do we make friends as adults? Imagine you don't speak the language. Imagine if you don't, you don't know the culture, you don't know the inside jokes. How much more difficult is it to make friends? And honestly, people in Bellevue are just waiting for you to invite them in. And that's why we're making this international Christmas service. It's an easy way for you to invite people into our circle, our life, and our hearts. Amen. And so I, I just think, let's love people like they're coming into their Egypt. You know, so often... We feel like victims when we move to a new city or attend a new church. Like, oh, that, that place, it's just filled with cliques. Everybody already knows each other. The leadership has their own circles. And it's like, when we're new to a community, we expect people to reach out to us. But once we get our friends, we don't feel the weight of responsibility to reach out to others. And it's, it's so quick that we forget what it's like to be without friends. And I think God knew that in the scriptures. That's why he's like, hey, you were once in Egypt too. Don't forget what it's like to be the foreigner. Don't forget what it's like to be stranger. Amen. 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 Point number three, I just believe we have an amazing opportunity in that as people come to our city, the immigrants are listening and people are open to the gospel like never before. People who have been hostile to the gospel in their own nation, in their own social circles back home in other countries, suddenly in a new environment, they're creating new habits they're open to new solutions. They're looking for new communities. And this is a great strategy and tool we can use to make known the beauty of Jesus. Saying, hey, we want to show you our love as an example of the ultimate love that Jesus Christ demonstrated for us on the cross. Immigrants are open to the gospel. God is bringing us the nations right here in Bellevue. You know, when I was in Bible college, I had this poster up on my, my dorm room, and it was this evangelist by the name of Reinhard Bonnke who passed away this last week. And he was actually a hero. He, I think he's preached the gospel to more people on earth than anybody in human history. Literally, it would have events with over 10 million people in them. It was just, it was just wild. And I used to feel like, God, I want to be a traveling evangelist. I want to get speak at stadiums, and I had these posters up. But I felt in college that the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to start a church. Like, you're not supposed to just travel and speak at stadiums. I want you to reach the nations, but I want you to reach the nations by starting a church. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me, honestly. I was like, how am I going to reach the nations by staying in one place? But now that we've planted and started a church in Bellevue, I realize the Lord is bringing us the nations. The nations are right here. We got so many countries represented, even in the congregation of Kalos Church, let alone the entire city. And I just think this is an opportunity to give God glory. I believe that every nation has a distinct glory to bring to God. Amen. Every nation has a unique something to offer God in worship. You know, Romans 15 
talking about how we should embrace diversity in the church is this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I just think this is God's dream, that with one voice, we'd be able to worship our Father. People from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, bowing down before our God, saying, God, you're the source of all life. We are one people through the blood of Jesus. Amen. You know, there's this prayer I pray almost every day. And actually, I'm going to be talking about more of this in our series in January, where we're going to start prayer and fasting for 21 days starting January 6th. So put that in your calendar if you want to. But this prayer, I love it. It says this, Oh God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth. And sent your blessed son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, I just think every nation has a unique glory to give to God. When Diana makes us Peruvian food, that is a unique glory. Yesterday I ate Brazilian chihasco meat. That was a unique glory. Come on, somebody. When Amrita makes that Sri Lankan curry, that is a unique glory, and I love it. Can we give it up for the foods of the world? Thank you, Jesus, for Crossroads Mall. But there's a unique glory. <laughs> There's a unique glory that God gets from every nation. And that's why the scriptures say that the nation are the nations are our inheritance. Jesus is coming back for every tongue, tribe, and nation. It's amazing. It's so powerful. And God has brought us the nations, and we are called to make disciples of every nation. And this international Christmas is us just you know, taking advantage of the unique diversity God has granted us to use it for his glory. And so God has uniquely positioned Kalos Church to reach the nations. And I say, let's do it with all of our strength. Let's do it for the glory of God. Let's make people, while they're in their season of living in Egypt, metaphorically feel a little more at home. Amen. Amen. And so if this message resonates with you, as we approach this service next week, I got three challenges for you to make this message a little more practical. And so the first thing I want to challenge you to do if this message resonates with you is, number one, I would love for you to sign up to volunteer at our Christmas service. And there are papers on your chair. We have a lot of people out of town next week going back home for family time. And so if you could fill that out, put your name and your number on that and where you'd like to serve for next week, because we have like over 300 people, additional people registered to come to our service. We have over 100 kids signed up. We have a video online that that has over 34,000 views, and we just want to be prepared to give people a warm welcome, saying, hey, thank you. I hope you feel a little more at home. So uh, in a little bit, when we collect our offering buckets, fill that out and place that in. We could really use your help. 
Number two, we'd love for you to share our Christmas invite video. We have several online, uh, but we have really strategized. How can we reach the nations? What is something universal? And we found out that uh, something that's universal in this world is people's love for the show The Office. And so we had Kevin from The Office make us a video. And so I, I want you to see this video. Let's play it. Hello, Bellevue. What's up? No, no, it's not Ashton Kutcher. It's me, Brian Baumgartner, here, and I got a tip for you, okay? If you're looking for a free picture with Santa, well, you are in luck. Yep, Kalos, they're taking and they're printing free pictures for the whole community. Yep, everyone in your family can sit on Santa's lap and tell him what you'd like for Christmas. Have a great time, Bellevue, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from, well, from me. <laughs> Nothing says International Christmas like a white man, amen? <laughs> but this is gaining traction online actually people are people are writing me from different countries literally like how did you do that and it, it's just amazing it's getting it's gotten over 50 shares from people who don't attend Kalos church so i'd love for you to share that on facebook or instagram However, it, it, it is spreading the word, and people will see that, and they'll feel like they have an opportunity to break into a new community because you invited them. And number three is personally invite someone to our service. Just bring them in. People are looking for a way to celebrate a traditional American Christmas experience in their eyes. And so there's a, there's a flyer on each chair. It's like the smallest invite card you'll ever see. And if you, you see someone who could use a little more community in their life, someone who might be trying to break in, would you, would you give them that and just invite them to our service next week? And uh, I just believe we'll make a huge difference. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of our community. I'm so proud of the unique opportunity God has given us. And so let's invite strangers into our mangers. Amen. Let's make people feel like they're a little more at home. Amen. Can we do that, Kalos Church? And I, I just, you know, I asked my dad one time, why did you become a Christian? And he said, when my family immigrated from Sri Lanka to Minnesota, it's the first time I saw total strangers love somebody with no benefit. And a church surrounded my family, loved us, invited us into their homes and hearts. And my dad had never seen anything like that. And a culture that taught him that you get what you deserve. If you're going through something bad, it's because of karma. And then he saw like Christians say, hey, we're going to inconvenience ourselves for your inconvenience for your convenience. We're going to love you. We're going to embrace you. We're going to bring you into our lives. And he said, that's why I became a Christian, because I'd never seen a love like that before in my life. And my prayer is that we could do the same for Bellevue. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to love people, to invite people into our house, the house of God, and to Kalos Church. And Lord, we may not have our own church building, but we'll use what we have to make people feel at home. We want to use our majors for the strangers, for the foreigners, for the immigrants, for the refugees, for people trying to grab a piece of home. Lord, would you help us to help them? Lord, would you grant us strength and grace to reach people who desperately need your love and community? Lord, thank you that we are one people through the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. 
Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that sermon. We're going to have a new one posted every single Monday. So see you back next week. And if you're ever in the Seattle area, we would love to have you join us in church. Go to kalos.church or follow us on social media at Kalos Church for more information. See you next time.